Sherb Chester with you on this edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum podcast, and we have a very special guest to welcome in the baseball season, Jay Pinsonow from the Seacoast Media Group and his bylines and all the different papers serviced by the Seacoast Media Group and also on Seacoast Online. I have to admit, that's where I catch you the most, Jay. Well, thank you. We appreciate all the uh, all the people reading and subscribing and uh, looking at our stuff. We appreciate that. The season is here. Baseball. Now, it's uh, Mother Nature has been giving us some curveballs as far as the schoolboy baseball is concerned because the fields are, you know, they're playable, I guess, but they're still soggy in spots. Let's start off before we get to the major league baseball season. Talk about the schoolboy season here in the Seacoast. What are you what are you getting a vibe about? For the most schools that we cover here in the Seacoast, opening day is uh, Monday, April 10th. Uh, we had uh, two local teams play in a state championship game last year. Uh, both ended up losing that game, but still great seasons getting there. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas under uh, first-year head coach and Exeter High School graduate. Uh, Carson Cross led the Saints to the Division II championship game. And then uh, Newmarket. Uh, they advanced and lost in the Division Four championship game, and uh, Portsmouth High School lost in the in the Division One semifinals. Uh, Winnicott lost in the quarterfinal round. Exeter lost, I believe, in the semifinal round as well. Um, Dover had a great season last year. They lost a one-run game to Do- to uh, Exeter in the first round. So I think a lot of good baseball this year and. Have to uh, give credit to uh, Carson Cross and uh, and fellow Exeter High alumni and teammate of his at Exeter, uh, Logan Carmen, and the facility they have over at uh, 603 Evo. Uh, a lot of kids from all over the Seacoast train there in the offseason, getting ready for the year, and uh, um, such a great facility over there on uh, – on Hampton Road on, in Exeter. Um, great facility run by Carson. Uh, pitching, hitting, weightlifting, strength training. Uh, so a lot of these guys you're going to see here in a couple weeks on the diamond, they've been working hard in the offseason for the last two, three, four months over there at uh, 603 Evo. So great facility run by Carson and Logan. The fact is people don't realize that and a lot of these kids in the seacoast play multiple sports, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, or track or whatever. They they mix them all up. Um they they they're always in training, whatever the sport is. And and baseball obviously is something that we 20 years ago, before these gyms and 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 programs were around, uh basically you just had to wait for Mother Nature to clean it off so you can go outside and play. Um, I guess this is where you've got guys that have taken advantage of this and, and guys like Carson that have the experience can share it with these kids. And, uh, you know, we're getting a high quality of uh, baseball and schoolboy around here in the Seacoast. Correct. The good thing with, well, the funny thing with Carson is that he trains all these guys in the off season who he's going to be facing as opponents (laughs) during the regular season. Um, so that's kind of funny with him, but, uh, he does a great job over there, and uh, he he likes those kids from from uh, like October to March. But then come April, he's all saints. So it's all it's good. There again, it's 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 maybe a double edged sword for him. But there again, it's a, a good feeling for him because he sees these guys progressing wherever they are, and and 
that's a good thing. You know, that's, right. that's, that's a good feeling. I wanted to ask you about a column you wrote uh, about, and, and I, I can relate totally with it because my boy played baseball for Exeter High. He was a pitcher for Kevin McQueen. Matter of fact, the first season Kevin took over the Blue Hawks way back years ago. And uh, you did a column about your son and and him being part of a, of a team. So tell, tell me a little bit about him and about what was the impetus for your column? I'm sure you got a lot of positive reaction. I know I, I had a lot of really good feelings about that article. Thank you. Uh, yeah, 2021, uh, my son Jason, uh, now a senior at, at Winnicott, uh, he was a sophomore, had a start of the year at JV, had put up some good numbers at the JV level and uh, was called up to varsity about midway through the season. Uh, he, he, uh, I heard that uh, his first game that he was called up was at Portsmouth High School, and uh, I was told that if needed, he was most likely going to be the first first guy out of the bullpen that day. So, uh, so I wrote just a story on him getting uh, not on him getting called up, but more so of me being in the Seacoast now. For I just passed my 25th anniversary at the at the Portsmouth Herald uh, earlier this month, and. Uh, me being around here so long and seeing so many kids succeed on all different fields, basketball courts, football fields. Um, I had to play dad and uh, it was nice to see my son experience some success. And, but uh, I just wrote one story, one column about how now after covering all these kids and watching all these games, it was my turn to play dad and not be a sports writer and uh, if any, if he did anything uh, good or bad to warrant uh, him being in the paper, it would have to be done by someone else because I was uh, stepping aside and uh, just watching as a dad. So he's, he's got some success. He's going to be playing uh, next year in college. Any accolades that he has received and anything written about him will be done by uh, someone else if needed, uh, because it's time for me, it was time for me to just step aside and watch watch him as a player and uh, watch him. Uh, he's one of uh, Carson's uh, disciples over there at 603 Evo. He's been there for a couple of years now, and I can see the, uh, the progression and transformation that Jason has received over there with Carson. And uh, I think working with Carson has helped him get to where he is today. And uh, he'll be playing next year, as I said, in college and, not only my son, there you can go on every roster of every Seacoast area high school baseball team, and their kids are going to be playing at the collegiate level. And a lot of that is individual talent, but the, a lot of that is hard work. And a lot of those kids train with Carson. So Carson has done a lot for a lot of these kids in the Seacoast, helping them reach their dreams of playing beyond high school. And that could be Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. Um, so yes, my son has had some success, but he's worked hard. He's put in the hours, and uh, it was just fun writing that story uh, when he got called up two years ago. Looking forward to his uh, final season with Winnicana. It's sad. It's it's exciting, but also sad knowing that uh, this is it for him for high school baseball and. Uh, the friends and teammates he's had over the years and the coaches that he's had over the years. But uh, yeah, I, I've received some good compliments about that story. There was a football official who came up to me that uh, fall of 21 
um, asking me if I was the one who had my son. And I said, yes, that, that was me. And he liked that story. And him and I have developed a pretty fun relationship since then. And yeah, it's been, uh, it's been good watching him progress. But like I said, I wanted to do one story on him being called up. But after that, any future stories uh, will be done by someone else if, if he deserves one. So I'll tell you what, I, I know where you're at uh, watching, watching your son progress through the programs through the years. And, and all you can do is just, you give them the support, still giving them the support and just hope that they just stay happy and content and just sure. keep focused. That's all. That's all you can ask. The other column I wanted to bring up, um, it was just a few weeks back and uh, we'll get to the major league side of things now since the season's underway. And uh, <laughs> you had a column where you had a, uh, I'll call it a semi-dilemma. Uh, about season tickets with the Red Sox. Uh, you've been a season ticket owner for years and years, and and uh, you had to weigh a lot of decisions on how many seats to keep. Should you keep any seats? And so let's let's tell folks a little bit of background about that, and then what your decision was. Yeah, the, um, this is uh, my tenth year. I was on the wait list. I got on the wait list for Red Sox season tickets after they won in two thousand four. Stayed on the wait list for nine years, was offered full season tickets in 2013. That was after Bobby Valentine's debacle of 2012, where the Red Sox was such a bad team that everybody gave up their seats. So I was able to get season tickets for the first time in 2013. That was two seats. Um, the year after that, I was offered two adjacent seats of mine. So I grabbed those four to have a total of four. And then a year after that, in year 2015, I was offered four more tickets right next to my four. So I had eight tickets you know, in the bleachers, uh, section 41, behind the Red Sox uh, bullpen. Very good low row seats. There are 50 rows in the bleachers. And I was in uh, row 18. So this year, um, so the years have been good. The Red Sox have been playing well. They've won two championships in my 10 years as a season ticket holder in uh, 2013, then again in 2018. Uh, the last couple of years have been tough, um, especially last year where um, there was a lot of hype going into last year, coming off of the 2021 World uh, ALCS Game 7. Um, so there was a lot of hype going into 2022 and was able to sell a lot of my seats um, going into the season. But as the season progressed uh, due to injuries and what have you, not playing it to potential, the team was not playing well. And if I uh, did not sell any tickets before the season, I struggled to even give tickets away last August and last September. So every year we get a uh, – so I was with eight tickets – and those eight tickets in the bleachers cost me just under $24,000 for the year. Um, and with me giving, giving, I, I had problems giving away tickets for free last August and September. So I ate, I ate a lot of money last at the end of last season. So I never wanted to give up my seats, um, but I knew that I didn't want to give up all of them, but I was thinking about, I can't with a kid uh, going to college and, my youngest son's in eighth grade and he'll be going to school. And um, with, the amount of, with the amount of money that we did not get 
in August and September last year, I didn't think that uh, keeping all late was a good option. So I wrote that column back in uh, January, I think it was. Um, it was about two weeks before the deadline where you had to notify the Red Sox of what your intentions were and making a decision on what tickets you were keeping, what tickets you were giving up. So, so I wrote that story. And the day after, um, I received an email from someone who was interested in six of my in he he was interested in any tickets that I was thinking about giving up. He wanted to take over. So um, basically, I sold six of my eight. So I was gonna if going into that story, I was only gonna keep two of my tickets. My original two seats on the aisle, I was going to keep. I was going to give up the other six. So after reading that story, this this gentleman from Portsmouth uh, emailed me and said uh, he would take any seats if I had not made a decision yet official with the Red Sox. He was gonna. He was interested in purchasing the other tickets. So long story being short, uh, I told him that I was going to give up six tickets. He took six tickets for the whole year, and what he's doing with them, I have no idea. Um, they did not want uh, – he did not want them in his name. Uh, he had no interest in that. So I get all the perks. I get all the benefits of having eight season tickets, but I only uh, had two to sell. That was very – I made out with that. I was very fortunate with that. Um, not only did I uh, – sell my other six seats at cost. He bought them at cost. I kept all the benefits for this upcoming season and I've sold some games uh, for this season with the original two that I have. And I think I'm down to 14 games left that I have seats for um, because I never keep any, I rarely keep any seats aside for me because with both of my boys play summer baseball and I have no idea when they're going to be playing. So if someone wants a game and I have the tickets, I always sell them and I go to whatever's available. Um, so long story being short, I kept two of my eight seats. Well, you know, let's go go to the dilemma part of it. Uh, you brought it up. I mean, you're investing a lot of money into those season tickets. And and the team last year was well, pretty atrocious. I mean, they just didn't have it together. It just never, never gelled. I mean, Chris Sale was hurt. Uh, it, it just didn't happen. What was your vibe at the end of last season? What was your take? It was, it was tough to watch because the Boston Red Sox have been competitive since the John Henry bought the team in 2003. And every year you expect them to be playing in October. And it came very apparent in uh, midway through the season that October baseball was not going to be happening in Fenway in in 2022 and that's not and so if you go back so 2022 there was no meaningful baseball late in the season 2021 they made it to game seven of the alcs they lost that to the astros Two, uh, 2020 was the COVID year where they struggled that year i think they finished in last place or just ahead of baltimore and 2019 was another bad year so for the past handful of years, since the winning the World Series in 2018, they have not put together a competitive ball club that's competing for the playoffs in August and September. And 
you expect you don't expect that as a fan of the Boston Red Sox, you expect them to be in contention for World Series championships, for playoff appearances. And last August and September was tough to watch because they just didn't play good baseball. And uh, you mentioned Chris Hale. Chris Hale was hurt for most of for the majority of the season. Uh, um, Nate Valdi was hurt for a lot of the season. Uh, uh, J.D. Martinez was hurt. Trevor Story was hurt. And granted, you can never foresee injuries, but um, they just had everything that seemed to go wrong went wrong for the Red Sox last year. And, and well, then you had the offseason where everybody was speculating who they're going to dump the big money. Would they keep Bogarts uh, if they took – Gave Bogarts a bunch of money. Would they have enough left for Rafi Devers? Uh, there was all these questions. Would Sale come back and be anywhere near where he was in the past? Um, I guess the Hein Bloom. <laughs> I don't know. Did you attend the uh, media day they had down there? And, and Hein Bloom took a lot of heat from the, the public, basically getting booed. I was. I've been to two of those winter weekends before. I was not at this one. But uh, High Bloom and John Henry and Tom Warner, they heard, they heard a chorus of boos from the fans, and deservedly so, because they expect the Red Sox to, to spend the money, and they, and they come back with, well, we're always on the top of the payroll, which they have been, but you got to spend it correctly. Right. And I think they botched the Bogarts situation. They tried to, like they did with John Lester, they lowballed them mm-hmm. before the beginning of the season. And I think if they presented Bogart with a contract offer that they did in this past November at the beginning of the season, I think he would have accepted that. Um, did the Padres overpay for Bogarts? I, I think they will be happy with Xander's performance for the first half of that contract, but I believe the back end of that contract when they're paying a late 30, early 40-year-old $25 million to play a middle infield position, they're probably going to be regretting that mm. financial commitment. But um, I think they were forced to overspend for Devers, um, inc- signing him to a, I think it was a 10-year, 300-something million dollar extension. Um but I think they had to do that. They have to keep these players. They botched the Mookie Betts trade. Um, I understand that they didn't think that they could pay him for what he deserves and still maintain a competitive roster, but you have to make sure that you win that trade. And Connor Wong is your, your backup catcher. Jeter Downs is now with the Washington Nationals. And Alex Verdugo is a lot of teams fourth outfielder. So when you're trading away a caliber of player, potential hall of fame player in Mookie Betts, you got to make sure that you're, you get the right pieces in that trade. And they never, they never did that. And uh, I think they were kind of forced to sign Devers, which is the, they spent market value on what a, caliber third baseman demands nowadays and it's crazy money but that's what the market is and they ponied up and uh they paid him they got a they 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 have a good minor league system coming up 
They get some players coming up, so we'll see what happens. Hein Bloom took a lot of heat. And and I guess justifiably so. It, it, it's a different era, and, and I'm talking from Red Sox Nation and the fandom. We go back to Theo Epstein building what turned out to be a pretty good juggernaut there for a while under Tito Francona, and and building the system up. And but uh, there again, twenty some odd years ago, uh, the financial structure was different for paying salaries. It's a different era now. Where you have to kind of fine-tuned how who are you going to give all this money to the yankees went out and brought the brinks truck up and keep aaron judge and uh whether that pays off like you say in the back end of the contract i i that's where i think the whole thing is crazy all the sporting money is just nuts now uh you know yeah i don't i i, I want to see somebody paid for the value uh that, that they give the team yes and and the entertainment value, obviously, too, you know, getting eyeballs on the TV screens or fannies in the seats, whatever. But it's getting a little ridiculous now. So it makes it harder for a GM. He has to pick and choose. If they stay healthy, I think they have the caliber of team that can compete in a in most arguably the toughest division now in Major League Baseball, the American League East. Because right now, going into the year, I would think most of the so-called experts would pick Boston to finish last behind New York, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Baltimore. All of those teams on paper can beat the Red Sox if everyone's healthy. You you, you take a look at, at, at the Yankees. Let's go back to the Yankees, our perennial enemy, so to speak. Uh, we they they haven't won in a long time and they throw a lot of money yeah they they've thrown a lot of money into trying to to bring a championship and they did this time around with judge uh, you know they're in a, i to me i think they're in a worse situation than we are i mean there's nothing to go but up with us whereas the yankees they're they're kind of plateauing and the team that i just get tired of hearing about is toronto is going to this is their season this is their season and it just never happens so well right. maybe it will maybe it won't this year baltimore's another one they're touting this year as being better than ever we'll see um so the the red sox have uh, potential. I think the pitching is where I question. I, I just hope Kluber shows up. He's the former Cy Young winner. Chris Sale has got to stay healthy. He's got to be healthy for the whole season, and he's got to perform. Um, Chris Sale has to be Chris Sale. Yeah, exactly. And and beyond that, you've got Whitlock and 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 Tanner Houck and a few other moving parts that they'll bring in and out over the season. Uh, Bellow and a few others that they've got uh, you know stretching out. I, I'm not going to totally turn off on them and say, yeah, forget it. Their last place. I like Cora. I like Cora. I think he's I like him as a manager. Yeah. He's a good manager. He's got the year of those guys. He hasn't sold anybody down the river. Um, he, he's got Kike Hernandez, I guess is going to be one of his captains this year to try to keep everybody, you know, motivated. Uh, JD Martinez was that position and Bogarts as well. And they're, Know, gone to the West Coast. So Kike is going to be one of the guys that'll take over the that. And I think that's important to have somebody in that clubhouse that just unifies everybody. Yes, I, I think he's a very good clubhouse guy. He's won, he's won before in Los Angeles. Um, I think uh he's he's as you said, he's gonna be taking over the the quote unquote captain role, the leadership role, of the Red Sox, where he gets along well with everybody, it seems in the in the clubhouse. And he's one of the better players on the field. Um, 
He brings in a former teammate of his, Justin Turner. I think his uh, his swing is perfect for Fenway and the monster. Um, and Turner has spoken nothing but high has high regards for his time that he played with Kike back in back with the Dodgers. I think one thing he was finding in common, the teams that succeed, a lot of these managers that have got their players dialed in. That's that. Those are the ones you see succeed. Los Angeles, obviously, Roberts has uh, got his team. It's just a matter of health and just the breaks in the game, things that happen. You know. Yeah, health. Health is the uh, paramount for every team success. And uh, I think when the Red Sox won in two thousand four, I don't think they missed a start by their five starters in uh, uh, Pedro, Schilling, Wakefield, Arroyo. And who's the who's the fifth guy? Derek Lowe. Um, Derek, those five guys, they all had 33, 34 starts. And I don't think that's any any coincidence that they won the World Series last year because their starting pitching was good with two, I think, two Hall of Famers in Schilling and, and Martinez. And then Wakefield, Lowe, and Arroyo as your three, four, five. And Health is paramount, and if Kluber can stay healthy this year, that's been an issue with him in prior years. If if Sale can ride a bike this summer and not flip over the uh, handlebars or punch TVs, or uh, if he can stay healthy, and or if he doesn't get a line drive off the finger, um, I think Garrett Whitlock has the potential to be a very double double digit win type of starter. Um, Brian Bayo, he's going to have a, I think he's, he's, he's the real deal. And, um, the fifth starter, whether that be, uh, Nick Pavetta or Tanner Houck or whoever it is, I think, I think if they stay healthy, they have a chance because I think their offense can do some damage. It's all going to come down to pitching like everyone. And, uh, and now having a bona fide closer in Jansen. I think that's going to help them knowing that he's got the ninth inning and a lead. Um, it depends if can, can uh, Schreiber be the same pitcher he was last year? Uh, can he be the same guy this year for them? The guy, Chris Martin, who they signed from the Dodgers, who began his career with the Red Sox in the minor leagues. Can he, can he repeat his performance that he did last year? Um so they got they got potential, but uh, it's going to be a fun summer. But I think it's going to be a fun, a very to circle back. I th- it's going to be a fun summer with the Red Sox, but I think it's going to be a fun spring with these Seacoast High School baseball teams. You have you have uh, Exeter in their second year under Bruce Joyce. I think they're going to be good. Uh, they got at least two kids that are going to be playing at the college level last uh, next year when uh, Ryan Morgado and George Young and um, Portsmouth has Portsmouth probably has the best player in the Seacoast right now. And Matthew Minkler Hill, he's committed to Virginia tech, a division one ACC uh, team. And they, they got other kids who are playing college baseball with Elliot miles, a, a pitcher and an outfielder and, Sebastian Lampert at first base and uh, Winnicott. It's got some guys too, that are going to be playing on. Uh, you got Ethan Nowak, a left-handed pitcher. He's going to be playing at Endicott college next year. And um, an, another very good division one 
high school baseball player, Jake Fredericks, um, who could very well play college baseball, but uh, he'll be he'll be going down the street. He'll be playing football at Phillips Exeter next year. Um, so every team in the Seacoast, especially the, the Division Ones, have very good high school baseball players. It's going to be fun watching, and Carson's doing a great job with St. Thomas Division Two, and Oyster River is going to have a decent year in Division Two, and New Market's always there in Division uh, Four, and there's just so much talent, high school baseball talent on the Seacoast. It's going to be fun to watch all these guys this spring. You know, when you get my age, you you you, you use baseball as your as your rule to get through winter. Yes, <laughs> you know, you know when that truck leaves Fenway with the equipment, there's yeah. hope, and then you know you hope maybe within a few weeks you can put the snowblower and the shovels away. This year, Mother Nature has been throwing us you know little storms here and there. Uh, now we just have to get the fields in shape for the schoolboy and schoolgirl uh, for the softball and. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll be we'll be having a fun season. I can tell. I can tell it's coming up. Kristen Moore says she's the Division One favorite to repeat as uh, softball champions this year. We did a story uh, last week and uh, about teams who played in the championship game last year and can they get back? And uh, Kristen Moore said she returns all but one starter from last year's team. The the secret is Jay, you reload. <laughs> Exactly. uh, Kristen definitely has a loaded, uh, loaded roster and uh, the pitcher, uh, a BB is a, is the defending Gatorade player of the year. And she has a chance to go back to back uh, Gatorade players of the year. Fantastic. I mean, you know, again, and it's kudos to the coaches like uh, uh, Kristen Morissette, you know, they, they know they've got a program and, and, and we've seen it with the football with bill ball and, and, and others, in the seacoast that the, the, the kids would walk through a brick wall for these coaches, you know, and they, yeah. they listen to them and execute. That's the important part. <laughs> one, one more thing before we go to the two minute drill, I just want to ask you about the changes in the major league baseball this year, uh, the pitch clock, the base uh, extended to the bases, uh, the shift, uh, sure. but yeah. also the balanced schedule that they went with. I was just looking at the schedule in front of me here. Yeah. There's no more uh, 19 game, uh, 19 games between division rivals. You, I believe you play everyone in your, your division 13 games, which is uh, two series less than before. And I think the Red Sox, I think every team plays every team this year, the Red Sox play. I believe they play. I, they play the Cubs. They play the giants. They play the Dodgers. I think they play everybody. They got, uh, coming here to Fenway this year, you have the you have the Mets, you have the Dodgers, uh, you're, you're, the Red Sox are in Chicago. But the balance, I think, the balance schedule is going to is going to translate to more more parity in the league, where you're not beating up like a team like uh, uh, a team in one division, not beating up on maybe a, a weaker division opponent 19 times a year, and you're going to have to prove yourself. Uh, week in week out and uh facing everyone and not just uh, beating up on some maybe uh lesser halves of your own division but uh i think the games in spring training are definitely uh the uh the pitch clock is uh has definitely reduced the time in games they need to figure out uh to uh, 
I think players need to figure out how to get used to it. I think they will. Um, games are now ending in two hours and 20 minutes. And back when we were kids and uh, watching games, a, a seven o'clock game is now done at 9.15, not 9.30 and, and not 10, 10.30 like Red Sox-Yankee games of uh, of years ago. And uh, I think it's going to bring – I think the new rules will bring in a lot more base running this year. I think the steals are going to be a, a key part of uh, the game. And I like all the uh, – I like all the rules. I think it's going to be good. And it's going to be a fun summer seeing how teams and players adjust – to all these different rules. Two-minute drill. I wanted to ask you about a special event that's coming up. Uh, I wanted you to mention what's coming up on the 26th of June at the Music Hall. You've got a special event that you're in charge of. Yeah, we have our uh, annual Seaco Sports Awards Night uh, where we highlight and honor all the great athletes that are in the Seacoast, uh, all the fall sports, all winter, all spring sports, all their the top athletes. Uh, there are so many great athletes in the uh, Seacoast area. Prior years, we've had uh, Danny Amendola. Then we had Pedro Martinez and Paul Pierce as our guest speakers. And uh, last year, we had Charlie Coyle of the Bruins. And what a story. Uh, what a story he shared with all the kids at the Music Hall of here is a kid from Weymouth, Massachusetts, growing up as a Boston Bruin fan. And now he's living his dream of playing for the Bruins. So it's one night. Uh, at the Music Hall, June 26th, um, I've not heard one negative thing about that event in the in the um, four years that we hosted it live, and then unfortunately the two years that were virtual. But last year being live again, this year we have not announced our guest yet. That's still being uh, uh, finalized, but whoever we bring in is going to be a great addition to that night. It's just giving all these kids one night where they are honored. Um, it's kind of like a red card. They get kind of like the red carpet treatment. We shut down the street right outside the music hall there. We have uh, a nice little gathering spot there. Um, it's just, what, as I said, it's a lot of great night where you see kids dressed up and the girls are in dresses and the boys are in, suit jackets and shirts and ties and they're not it's a great event and uh if anyone if anyone has not gone to one i highly recommend even if you don't have a kid in one of these schools or even if you do have a kid in the school but they're not one of the nominees to get our player of the year it is such a great night to highlight the achievements not only individual achievements but also the team, we have the team of the year. We have the coach of the year. Just so many high schools are um, recognized and kids are, kids are honored to be up there. And, and selfishly for me, when I'm on stage interviewing Pedro Martinez and Paul Pierce, I almost have to like pinch myself and like, Hey, wait, that's, that's Pedro Martinez right next to me. And that's Paul Pierce. They're in the hall of fame and um, kudos to Gannett our parent company that allows us to bring in the guests that we do. It's such a great night. And I keep saying that, but it's such a great night for, for kids before they, before they go their separate ways during the summer. So uh, this year, as you said, it's uh, Monday, uh, June 26th 
at the music hall in Portsmouth. It's such a great venue to hold this event. It's I think it holds just under 900 people, and every year is a sold-out event. Now it's time to to give these kids their due, live and in person. The uh, one thing I just want to mention on the two-minute drill, baseball-related, um, if you haven't seen it already, I don't know if you have Amazon Prime. If you do, uh, there's a documentary that they just put out. It's about Reggie Jackson. And, and over the years, I've had my feelings about Reggie, but after watching this, and this is Reggie just, you know, in the past year or so, uh, sitting down in front of a camera and talking about his his career with Oakland and and with the Yankees and what's transpired since he's now one of the uh, special advisors for the Houston Astros. Uh, it, it's well worth the hour and a half to watch it, especially the section where he sits down with the late great Hammer and Hank Aaron. Uh, they got together before Hank passed, and and it's really a, an interesting documentary like i said about an hour and a half but and and i think you'll come out with a different view of reggie jackson there was a lot of people who said oh he's just arrogant you know he was mr october no doubt about it and the uh, yankees uh you know he, he was a big element of those successful years with the yankees but he there there's more to the guy and you'll see it especially in the end of the of the piece uh so i recommend reggie on amazon prime so that was anything in that documentary about the uh about the game at Fenway Park when him and Billy Martin had a little disagreement. Yes, that is featured, and that is wow. you, know, you get his take, and and they yeah. they have uh, you know footage that they show of Billy Martin reacting as well, and it, it's just interesting. I got a I got a better feel for the person after I saw okay. this documentary, so I recommend it highly. Now, but I will I'll make sure that's on my uh, my watch list coming up. Before I let you go, I want to ask you, what are you predicting for uh, your picks for this season oh on the spot here i've not given this too much thought because i don't think the red sox are going to be in contention so i would say i think the astros are going to suffer a little bit with losing verlander um so i don't think houston's going to repeat let's go with the los angeles dodgers facing the let's let's have a dodgers Let's go back to 1981, I think it was. Let's go. Let's have a Dodgers-Yankees World Series with the Dodgers with the Dodgers winning in six games. Let's go Dodgers over the Yankees in six. Well, the networks will love you. Coast-to-coast World Series, that's what they always want. And the Yankees definitely will, will love you for that because they need that after putting all that money into uh, Judge's pocket this year and uh, – It'll be interesting to see. I, I, Los Angeles is is probably my pick there on the uh, national side. I know San Diego's been trying their darndest to try to take it away from them, uh, and San Francisco's kind of sneaky there in the background. But I'll I'll agree with you. The Dodgers. It all comes down to the managers. I'll I'll go with that again. Uh, Dave Roberts has got the Dodgers dialed in health wise. If they're fine, they'll they'll get there. The Yankees. they have to get there as far as they're concerned. But, you know, the the team, the Houston Astros, Dusty Baker got his first ring last year, and and those guys really like him a lot. They really, they, they played for him. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go with Houston and the Dodgers. We'll see how that works out. Jay, I really enjoyed the conversation today. We want you back anytime. Jay Pinsano from the Seacoast Media Group. His byline is uh, on Seacoast Online, but you can catch him in all the different papers in the Seacoast Media Group. All I know is it's time 
to play ball. <laughs> Spring is here. Let's play ball. Don't forget, pass the word about the Seacoast Sports Forum podcast. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And if there's a subscribe button, hit it and or follow. That's another one you could punch so that you get all the latest episodes. So on behalf of Jay Pinsono, I'm Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seaco Sports Forum podcast.